Sound kind of back on the fan. Emmanuel, how old are you? I'm 23. 23 years old, Marco. What do you think? Heard of it? No idea. Never saw it. Are you familiar with Saved by the Bell? I've heard the name before, but I'm not, like, familiar. you have any idea of who Kelly Kapowski is or Zach Morris? Any idea whatsoever? Not really. Isn't that amazing? I, Dunn's probably, I, I want to say, like, what is it, like, 92, 93? Like, when, when was that show Yeah, on? probably. They I probably did so. the college years, quote-unquote, in, like, what, 96? Right. Oh, man, remember those? Those were awful, but it's still... I, I didn't see the college years. I saw an episode or so. I think Kelly Kapowski might have been... Well, definitely was one of my first crushes. I'm trying to give she was my first. Either that or uh, Candace Cameron. Remember her in Full House? Damn she, right, I remember that. Yeah, she, <laughs> <laughs> she was my first one. I liked Candace Cameron. Uh, uh, what the hell is her name? Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Right. And I liked um, Ashley Banks from uh, Fresh Prince. What the hell? Is it? Tatiana Ali were my three favorites I remember as a kid. I'll throw in, at being a little kid at the same time, Alyssa Milano, say, uh, yeah. who's the boss? She was that a, was one of the first for me. Yeah. We were like the same age. She's actually a little older than me, I think. Right. So for me, she was a little bit, I was a little bit too young, I think, to like be in crush mode at that particular time. I remember the show, you know, Tony. Angela, oh Angela! Yeah, I mean, that, I, I'll be fair. That was why I was watching it. Yeah, so again, it felt like we were the yeah, it felt like we were the same age. But it turns out, I think she's a couple years older than me. So, isn't it weird to you that like Emmanuel has no freaking idea about anything that we're talking about? I, I get it. I've come to life. grips with being old. I have not. <laughs> I've come to grips with it. I, I mean, I gotta let it go. You know. I remember being in the newsroom when I would first start here, which, by the way, we're coming up on twenty year anniversary in, in uh, January. Twenty years that I first started the wow. fan, and I remember like Ack. Now there've been some comings and goings along the way, but still, I mean, twenty years <laughs> since uh, since we started. You could leave that alone, Sal. I, I remember. Well, I'm full disclosure. I remember Ack, you know, being like, "Oh, have you heard of this guy or this guy? Have you seen that movie?" And I'm like, "No, no, 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 no." He's like, "Oh, these kids, whatever." And I was a young guy. Then as I started to get older, you know, you had guys, and I remember, I think it was McMonagle, as a matter of fact, when he was like an intern, you know, McMonagle, a big Yankee fan, mm-hmm. and I was like, you ever heard of Mike Pagliarulo? No. I'm like, what? Yeah, exactly, the face that you just made. How have you never heard of Mike Pagliarulo? But like, Pags was a player in the 80s, McMonagle was... Man, is he that you're young? A, man, was a huge Yankee fan, you ever heard of Mike Pagliarulo? No, not man, at all. Holy crap. You know what, and I can tell you this off the top of my head, 84 to 89... He got traded in the middle of 89. That was my guy because I loved Pags. Pags, exactly. When, when he got traded, I actually had like, you know, a little bit of a fit where I was like, I'm going to be an A's fan because I lost my mind that the Yankees were falling apart in front of my eyes. You know, at that point, Winfield was going because he was already going to be gone at the end of the year. Henderson was gone. Mattingly couldn't yeah. walk. And then they got rid of Pags. I like lost my mind and then came to let's, grips. Let's do some more. Let's hit him with some random He's names. He's not going to know the 80s stuff. Oh, hold I mean, on. That, there's oh, no way. Oh, let's see. That guy actually played. I'm not even going to look at the, the 32 homers in 87. Pat Kelly. Pat Kelly, I've heard of. Okay. A little later, yeah. Go ahead. Give me a name. Uh, from those years? Well, roughly. Roughly those years. Like, I remember, me, you know, growing up. Bob Guerin. Not quite familiar with him, no. And obviously, he's become a coach. That's you why know. I thought he yeah. might know the name. Steve Balboni. Yes. Ah, oh, well, how yeah. do you know Steve Balboni? Because... I try to be like read up on on most parts of Yankee history, but like I didn't go in depth on the eighties. I, I knew some of the key so names. So Balboni was a little bit later. I'm giving you Pat no. Kelly was later. Balboni was later. These Balboni are like eighty nine. Yeah, okay. No, Pat Kelly was into the nineties. Pat Kelly was right. there. I mean, he was a big part of ninety five, getting into the playoffs. So uh, no, 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 he was there. But still, he's twenty three. Like no, it, I get it. Random. I get it. Yeah, like the nineties, I'm very right, familiar course. with because that was like before my time, before I was born. But it was a big dynasty, and I wanted to be. In tune with at least the the most recent Yankee God, dynasty. Like he hasn't even lived through like the Yankee dynasty. Right, oh nine. Like you asked me anything about the oh nine Yankees, that has a special place in my heart because that was the first Yankee championship. Yeah. And I was ten years old. And maybe one day you'll be like me, where there you go. Or I watched the Mets when I was seven, and I'm still waiting for the next World Series. Maybe that's going to be Emmanuel. And you just missed it. Oh nine, he was ten. I was ten years old. Think about in it. In 2009. Like, oh I was living God. in, when they lost in L.A., in Anaheim, in those middle games of the ALCS, I was, like, going nuts. So it, I had an emotional ride with the 09 Yankees, and that's why there's that, that attachment. It's a one-championship ride I've been through. Wayne Tolleson. Wayne Tolleson I've heard of. Really? Yeah. Mike Gallego. Mike Gallego, definitely heard A little of. later, yeah. I mean, but that's the thing. Like, you're not going to know a Mike Eastler. No. Right. Why would you? Dale Barra. No, like it's ringing a bell, but you know it's what I'm not doing? quite there. I'm, in my, I, my mind's eye, I'm going over 88 tops baseball cards. He I was gone being. by 88, Dale Barrow. He was there for was like 10 he? Yeah, Well, yeah. remember, too, the yeah. cards, though, were not. 
Yeah, no, no, I know. I mean, but his shining moment was being well, the, uh, the, the guy getting stuff. thrown out at home plate along with uh, Bobby Meacham. Bobby Meacham, with, I remember. With uh, Carlton Fisk. On the, it was 86, I think it was, on the double tag. I remember the play. Right, the that's, that's Dale Bearer's basically his highlight. I mean, other than being Yogi's son. Mel Hall. Yeah, right. Mel kind Hall, yes. See, how is he knowing these names, though, and not Mike Pagliarulo? Pags was a better Yankee than any of these names I'm throwing out. Again, there. but Pags was gone by 89. Mel Hall, I want to say, was there until 93. All right, so I'm so going like a you're little just, more easy. You're just, I, I think you're getting closer to when the Yankees were decent. Like, Mel Hall was the first piece to, let's get rid of this guy to turn the page. So I think 92 was his last year. They were, Buck Showalter was, and Gene Michael was like, they singled out Mel Hall as a disaster in this clubhouse. Let's get rid of him and start getting real baseball players in. Here's one you should know, and I forget the year. Andy Hawkins. Heard of Andy Hawkins. Not like overly familiar with his Do you know what he's famous record. for? No. Marco? Yeah, the no-hitter that he threw in Comiskey but lost 4 nothing. <laughs> right, there we go. Which is oh. not actually a no-hitter anymore because yeah, they changed right. the rules. Because <laughs> he only threw 8 because he was on the road and they lost oh, the 3 hours. I love this. Can you know the 3 hours? No. Go ahead, what? Barfield. Jesse Barfield. Leyritzen yeah. left. Wow. And Mike Blowers at third. I remember all those guys, but I don't remember the specific and left. Who Phil Rizzuto, we'll get off this stuff. Phil Rizzuto actually called. The ball's in the air, and I'll never forget this. Rizzuto's calling the game. It's on picks 11. And as Leyritz is getting underneath it, oh, Jimmy, don't fall down. Because he's, you know, swaying in the wind of Comiskey. You know, hits him in the glove, busts his ass. He falls, the ball drops, and there you go. Oh, it's great. This is fun for me. My childhood, paying attention to baseball, paying off here as we talk about on the radio. <laughs> And trying to teach Emmanuel in the process. It is just, it's just hard for me to, like, I get now the reality is that I'm the old guy at 43 or the older guy. You know, like, I'm right. not as old as, you know, Carton or whatever, but um, an older, Craig Pots <laughs> Throw that in there, huh? No, I'm just messing and around. Just, he was talking about being old the other day, so I'm just messing around with him. But I'm one of the older guys at 43. Like, that is, yeah. you get a guy 23, like you mentioned. In my mind, all right, you can't name Mike Pagliarulo. You don't remember the 80s? Fine. Like, Derek Jeter and the Yankees dynasty in the 90s feels like it was yesterday. He was 10 years old in 2009. Right, so that's what I mean. So that's why I understand why he doesn't know that. It's similar to us if, like, you know, people come up to us and they start talking the about 60s. 73 yeah, right. or, you know, 60. And you're just like, yeah, I, don't, yeah, I know some of the names, but like, right. I, I didn't see that. I don't know. I right. have no idea what you're talking about. Right, like, get away from me, old man. Who the hell cares? And that was what it was kind of like when I for the Yankees stuff where you're talking about, like, the 77 team or the 78 team. Like, yeah, sure, I know the names, but yeah, I didn't see Chris Chambliss play. Like, I'm sorry. Right, I, right. I apologize, but I know I didn't see it. You know what's even worse? The Knicks. Because wow. there's a whole yeah. generation, basically 30 years, right? Like, if you're, because if you're 30 years old right now, you weren't old enough to appreciate right. the 90s. Right. You have no idea if you are 30 or younger. No, you just know ineptitude. That's it. Just ineptitude for the whole time. But they used to be yeah. the team. Yeah. Like, we'd be talking Knicks right now had they played and talking Ewing and Starks and Oakley and Harper and whatever about their 50-plus win regular season, what seed they're going to get, how they're going to beat Jordan and the Bulls. Like, I, I miss it. Mm -hmm. I wish we had the chance to talk about it because they've been bad since I've been on the air. But, man, I at least lived through it. Emmanuel doesn't know anything about the Knicks that are, that's good. Yeah, like 2012-2013, the 54-win season, plus the Lynn run, Lynn sanity. Those are the two oh runs God, of competence. A... that I rem Ugh. Plus two years ago. Yeah, uh, okay. First-round series, like oh, an yeah. attachment to that team. But a couple flashes in the pan, right. Dude, there's been no competence. Like like the first half run with Amari before before right. they traded for right. Melo. right. That was like nostalgic because they they were building something, <laughs> True. and then they traded for Melo. And not that Melo had a bad Knicks career, but it wasn't the same after that. But you don't know. You could go back and check the history, and I'm sure you learned about the right. '90s Knicks and all that stuff. You don't know what it felt like. No, to have Nick games that actually mattered. Like I'm telling no. you, I'm not the biggest Nick fan in the world now. I mean, they've obviously they've beaten me down over the last 20 years, but back then, I, there was not a possession that mm -hmm. I did not live and mm -hmm. die with. Right. I and mean, again that we're also talking about like the real where the early night that 93, 94 and all that. Even when we talk about that that run that they had in the late 90s with the Latrell sure, and Houston the and the Camby, yeah. you know that second that run. Next run right. He's still again, they're just they're too young. It's not you know, it's the same concept like I said. We can't talk about 
Right. You know, some 60s, of the, yeah. you know, some of the eighties with the, with strawberry when it first started, I don't remember that. I remember the 86 team really well, but like, right. I don't remember when, you know, 83, 84. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. that. Right. I, I don't, I was just a little too young for it. Me too. Yeah. No, no, no doubt about it. And we know the history. I mean, being in New York, like, obviously- right. So you can go back and see it, but it's different when you watch it in real time, when it's in front of you and you're living it day to day, there's a different vibe. I guess it's just eye opening to hear the younger people, you know, whether it's an intern at, at SNY and I've heard it from there or whether it's Emmanuel or Fleegs or some of the younger guys that it's a reminder of how old you are. And like, man, like, how do you not know that? Because we live through it. Right. It's selfish thinking. And I, like I said, they used to do it to me. Ack was the first one. He used to do it to me all the time. Oh, you never saw that movie? You never did this? You never, like, uh, well, you got here a little late. He would have did it to you a few hours ago. <laughs> there it is. I bet. What, what's yeah, the spe- movie? Speaking of that, he, he jokes about how he's as old as my parents. That's what he does to me all the time. He's like, oh, God. Oh, well, when, well, when's your dad's birthday? Uh, like, he'll say something like right, that to me I nowadays. Chief, I your father there. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right, that's going to be a little depressing when... You know, when, when the other guys, when the guy on the other side of the glass, I could be his dad. That's going to be a little depressing. Yeah, that's getting bad. That 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 I'll give you that one. Might that, be that, time that's going to yeah. a rough day. That, yeah, I'm going I'm to pack it in if that ever happens. Yeah, I got enough of them home. I don't know. <laughs> exactly, Marco. Again. <laughs> All right, that was fun. We got to do this. Name this Yankee, <laughs> or if you heard of this Yankee, eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Gary is calling from Mayapack. What's up, Gary? Hey, Sal, what's going on? How are you, hey, Gary? You know, I'm good, I'm good. With this female take on sports, uh, what happened today with Michelle taking shots at you, Sal? What do you mean? you the jinx. Well, oh, I know Michelle Margot, my good pal over at SNY, was trying to put me down yet again, saying that I cannot jinx the team this year. You know, of course, everybody referring to the jinx last year with the NL East is over, when I did not, in fact, jinx them. But Michelle... Yeah, you know, took a shot at me saying that I am a maniac and that I don't need to jinx the team this year. But it was all uh, all in fun. Michelle and I get along. With I know. I know it's, it's tongue-in-cheek with her, but I just was like, whoa, who's taking shots at my boy here? <laughs> yeah, I appreciate Listen, that. Earlier on, you were saying about who cares if you're a Met fan, how much the team spends. You know what, Sal? I care because the bottom line is we are paying for these plays, whether it's with ticket prices whether it's, you know, with food, concessions, parking. We had the conversation during the playoffs how expensive the tickets were. And I love Stevie. You know, I'm a little disappointed when he first got here. If he would have signed Springer, we wouldn't be having this Nimmo conversation. If he would have signed Ray, uh, Ray Muto, we wouldn't have conversations that were weak behind the plate. He was a little slow, uh, you know, with putting his, uh, his toe in the water when he first got here. He was taking things slow. But we are eventually going to pay the price for these guys, Sal. Yeah, I understand that that's going to be the case eventually. But you know what? You can't worry about that. And, look, you want to see a winning ball club, Gary? I mean, you're gonna, you got to go out there and pony up, right? No, I agree with that. But when is enough enough? He's still, right now with what we did, to me, we we are, like, the same team as last year. Verlander replaces DeGrom. Mm-hmm. Right. Nimmo, Nimmo replaces himself. Right. Uh, you know, it was good. Quintana and, replaces uh, Walker. Yeah, the bullpen is right. – the and I said this on SNY. The, bull, the bullpen is the only part of the Mets that has gotten better so far. But there's more to come. Whether it's Kodai Senga, whether it's another bat, whether it's both – they will add and they will improve. And it's not like they needed to do a ton of different things because they won 101 games a year ago. There's not a 68-win team. So have they improved right now? No, similar to the Yankees. They have not really improved. They basically stayed the same, which is good, but now they need to get better. Had they lost Nimmo, though, now they would have been really behind it because they would have had to replace Nimmo and then get better. I think they looked. You know, not only this year, but next year. And I think the year beyond that, there are no good center fielders coming out. And I love Brandon Nimmo. He is my favorite Met, okay? But he is not worth that kind of money. Nobody is. But a little nugget for yourself. Between Quintana, Verlander, and uh, Scherzer, all three of those guys pitched game one in the playoffs this year for their teams. Pretty wild. Scherzer, Verlander, DeGrom? No, no, Quintana, they got... Oh, Quintana, all, oh, right, yeah. They all pitched game one for their teams, Houston with Verlander, 
Quintana was he? St. Louis, Rachel? no, St. Louis, Quintana. Louis. Okay, yeah. St. Louis. and then of course, uh, you know, Scherzer. So you know, we got a good top three. My day would be complete if they could bring in the Japanese pitcher, and then if they could find a bat with a little pop. Agreed, a hundred percent, Gary. That's all that. That's all that they need. And thank you for the call. Appreciate checking in as always. Right now, I mean, look, they could fill out the bullpen or whatever. The Mets are almost complete this offseason, aside from the bullpen, which I think they got the big parts done with bringing in Robertson and trading for Rayleigh. If they could get Kodai Senga, rotation is set, that's that. And then they need a a part-time power bat. Ideally... I mean, look, Trey Mancini might be that perfect fit. Fleegs brings him up all the time because he can play corner outfield. He can play first base, DH, hit with a little power. They need that type of bat. Obviously, you'd want better. I want an impact bat and the five-hole. But going into the year, you can live with it the way that it is. Then you see how it plays out. Then you see what you need at the trade deadline, see what's available. Then you need to improve the ball club. But they're almost... Done, similar to the Yankees, where the Yankees need Carlos Rodon and Andrew Benintendi. And look, they could fill out the bullpen too, whatever. But basically, the Yankees get Rodon and Benintendi. They're set. Now, you might want to trade Glaber Torres and see what you could get in return and how that's going to balance itself out or work itself out. But it's not like multiple moves need to be made here for either of these two teams. It was fine-tuning. It was making sure you keep it intact, Judge Nimmo then fine-tuning and trying to upgrade the best that you can. Rodon would be a big upgrade for the Yankees. Senga plus a power bat would be a big upgrade for the Mets, and they've upgraded their bullpen. 877-337-6666. Benny is in Stony Point. What's up, Benny? Hey, what's going on, Sal? How are you, Benny? I'm doing great. I totally agree with everything you just said, but I was listening to you earlier, so I'm going to throw a curveball. Lisa Turtle, Jesse, Kelly Kapowski, rank them. Rank them? Yeah, let's talk about it. I would go, I mean, we're going based off the show, right? Like when I was a kid, rank them? Absolutely. I would go uh, Kelly Kapowski, Lisa Turtle, Jesse Spano. Wow. Jesse Spano, a distant third in my mind. Couldn't agree more with that, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, the only question to me is Lisa Turtle and Kelly Kapowski, but, I mean, I loved Kelly Kapowski back then. Who didn't? Yeah, how, how can you not? Yeah, exactly. No, I know. So with the Yankees, right? Oh, uh, I would think. I would think anybody would. So the Yankees were going to get Ben Attendee, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what they want. They were in on Nemo, I guess, but I don't know how realistic it was. But they they need Ben. Look, they now need Benintendi back. I guess if not Benintendi, Brantley is out there. Somebody they need a a bat that can be a complement to all the strikeouts and power that they have in their order. They need a high average contact hitter in left field. So Benintendi fits that bill. Hundred percent. Yeah. Here's this one for Yankee. We forgot Luis Polonia. Yeah, Louis Polonia. Thanks for the call, Benny. Appreciate you checking. And you remember him, Emmanuel? Louis Polonia? No. Wow. I forget what years exactly. He was there in the 80s, but then he came back. Didn't he come back in 96? Was he on the Braves at that point? I don't get to get uh, Polonia, the former A, I remember. Louis, Louis Polonia. Uh, let me just look him up real quick. He was a good player. Uh, he was with the Yankees in 89, 90. And then did come back in, yeah, he was he was back with the Yankees in 94 and 95 and then went to Atlanta. He got traded to Atlanta. Uh, why do I think 96? Maybe 95, close enough. I want to just look at the transaction. Louis Polonia, good name. I love it. Nice pull. Let's see. I want to see when he gets. Yeah, traded by the Yankees to the Braves for Troy Hughes. Who the hell is that? Minor leaguer. So he got traded in August of 95 by the Yankees to the Braves. And then, oh, he signed as a free agent with the Braves in 96. That's why I thought 96. And obviously the Braves and Yanks playing in the World Series. 
So there was a tie in there in 1996. Let me just see what he did. He was a good player for the A's, too, on those A's dynasty teams, 87, 88, 89. Louis Polonia, uh, no, 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 96 total. Oh, yeah, he was with the Braves. Uh, right, he signed on. He was with Baltimore, and then he played with the Braves in 96. He had 137 games. Uh, was that bats or games with the Braves? What the hell is, why is this site looking weird all of a sudden? They changed baseball reference? Oh, no, I was looking at the wrong thing. He played 1996. He played 22 games with Atlanta. Then he was out of the bigs for two years and then came back. But Louis Polonia, good name. All right, we'll take a quick break. Get back to your calls on the other side. 877-337-6666. Salicata on the fan. Salicata back on the fan. 877-337-6666. We've been talking about Brandon Nimmo, the Mets. Really, it's not even about Nimmo. It's just that the Mets have showed that they will not lose out on a player that they want for money. Now, another player can choose to go somewhere else. Another player could want to leave New York like DeGrom. Somebody wants to choose to go elsewhere for less money, fine. But if the Mets want a player, they're going to get that player under Steve Cohen. And that's a great feeling. And you look at where their payroll is. You know, they're spending not a lot of money. They're spending more money than anybody else. Well-deserved for the Mets fan who has had too many years. You know, the BC Mets didn't spend like this. Before Cohen, of course. Too, and no, nowhere near it. And especially after 2009, they just weren't spending at all. And now to have the Mets going big game hunting every single year, it feels good. And maybe the best thing to come of it, or the most exciting thing to come of the news yesterday, was the fact that Andy Martino said it on SNY that, the Mets are, they will be big players for Shohei Otani. Think about that. All the spending that they've already done with the highest payroll in baseball, and it's going to be more. I mean, they're going to get Kodai, Kodai Singa. They're looking to you know acquire him potentially. They want him, put it that way. They're still not out on Kodai Singa. Even after bringing Nimmo back and signing uh, David Robertson to, to, uh, to the bullpen, one year, $10 million dollars. They're still in on Kodai Senga. And there's more. Potentially Shohei as well. The Mets have entered the chat. Chris is calling from Farmingdale. What's up, Chris? Hey, Sal. What's going on? Good morning. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good day for us. Uh, we got Robertson. That's what I'm more excited about. We finally got the guy we needed last year. And um, we also got Nimmo back, so that's good. A little more expensive than... Uh, what we should have gotten for it, but um, I'm okay with it. You know, we 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 got a pretty much the full lineup back minus a batter. What do you think about getting Justin Turner for two years, twenty six million? You think that would be a, a good signing? Where are you going to play him? Third base as a yeah. stopgap, or he could DH. I mean, look, they'd have to. Then what are you going to do with Eduardo Escobar? You can move him to second, just like we would have done if we. And what do you do uh, with McNeil? He could be the DH. Yeah, you stop uh, the DH problem no, too. No, no, I like McNeil in the field. I, the Mets don't need a third baseman. They, you don't like Beatty. They have Beatty there. They have Escobar. I'm not paying for a third baseman. If anything, I want a corner outfielder that could hit with some pop. I'm, no, I agree. But I'm not opposed I'm, I'm, to. I'm not opposed to Justin Turner. I just don't think I would do that move right now if I'm the Mets. I, I don't want at this point a full time DH either. I like to keep that spot kind of flexible. Unless it's a no doubt about it, uh, dominant bat DH. But right now, I like to keep that spot flexible. I don't think Turner is the right piece that I'd be looking for for a guy who could only play third base. I, I don't want that right now. They have too many third basemen. Yeah, no, I can I can agree with that. But um, hey, I mean, I, if they're still going for another bat, I mean, you already hit the top tier uh, uh, tax threshold. Why not? What's it going to hurt you to get another bat? But listen, I think even they don't really necessarily need to get a bat right now because I think they'll still be in the mix for the division by the All Star break. And if they need, if if they have a need there, you get you make a trade on that trade deal. And maybe the DH is Otani, right? Um, you know, we'll see Beatty and maybe Beatty and um, and Alvarez, Alvarez right. turn it up. Yeah, well, maybe that, they turn it up this year. Well, that's and that's one way where they could get better, Chris. And thank you for the call. You know, we talked about it. Are the Mets better right now than they were a year ago? I think their bullpen is better. It's not complete, it's not done, but it's better. Their lineup is not unless you believe that Alvarez can be an impact bat. 
if he is, whether it be a catcher or DH, they will be better on paper going in because they get nothing from catcher or DH a year ago. Is Beatty going to be up here? If so, then maybe they move Escobar to DH. Now you have Beatty, who in his limited opportunity was a decent offensive player. I mean, he had his moments. He's got to improve, clearly. He's not, I don't even know if they would start the year with him anyway. But assuming Beatty comes up at some point and he could provide a legitimate major league third base bat, now you can move Escobar to DH, at least on a part-time basis. And then that could help improve third base because Escobar gave you nothing last year to start the year. It could help you improve DH because Escobar, you would expect, would bounce back, especially after what he did in the second half last year or down the stretch in September. And you also could improve catcher slash DH with Alvarez. Because it can't be any worse at either of those two spots. But on pay, and you know, the rotation, if they get Kodai Senga, then it becomes better than it was a year ago. Scherzer, Verlander, Senga is better than Scherzer, DeGrom, Bassett from a year ago. But right now, Verlander, Quintana, probably a wash for DeGrom and Taiwan Walker, other than. You know, look, DeGrom started 11 games, so you would expect Verlander. If Verlander doesn't start more than 11 games, it'd be a disaster. But that's still, to me, at least a wash. So where'd they get better? Right now, definitively in the bullpen. Lineup still has another move or two in it. Vinny is calling from Queens. What's up, Vinny? Hey, how are you? How are you, Vin? Well, uh, good. I love your work. I got to tell you, I just I hope you could let me finish these two points. One being uh I really believe that Cohen wasn't sold on Nemo. I think it was a perfect storm. I think that any guy like that is an ego, as nice as you are. He's listen, he's a businessman. I think he saw everyone waxing poetic on how bringing his guy back. I think he heard all the Met fans, oh, it's the same Mets. I think when he heard Wilpon he went nuts. And then well, with I what? Think with DeGrom saw, you're talking about? Yeah, I think when he saw DeGrom. Well, whoever's, whoever said that is an idiot. I'll let you finish here, Vinny, but I have to interject. Whoever no, said, I agree with you. whoever compared DeGrom leaving for the Rangers to the BC Mets before Cohen, they, they are idiots. Yeah, I know. And I think what happened was when he saw that press conference, and believe me, this is a guy that's on Twitter all the time. He sees everything. When he saw this press conference, I think he felt, you know what? Screw it. <laughs> because I think, you know, it's kind of like having a car that you put $10,000 in and it's worth 6000 No, it's worth 16000 to you because you put sixteen in it to replace it. And I think he feels, you know what, just got to do it now. And what better way than to bring them all back and show everyone? Because you heard people on, I don't know if you heard today, oh, the same Mets. It reminded him of Well Pond. No, Why who said that? They were saying that on the station? No, I heard, I heard, I, I heard it on a couple of different on a couple of YouTube channels, on a couple, oh, it's the same thing. How come they're idiots? Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. All but of them. I Anybody think... who said that is an idiot. And yeah, give them my I name and my, and get my, my number and tell them to call me. <laughs> I'll tell you, I think all we, the, the bullpen improved a great deal. And the, the team needs work. But I think, I think they're the favorite. If Senga wants to come here, as long as he wants to come to New York, I don't think there's any question he'll be here. They, I think it's they be to- they be loaded. Kodai Senga on top of Verlander oh, and Scherzer and the depth. Their rotation you could not make it any better. I mean, I look agree. again. Why I don't, don't we? Why yeah. don't we hear anything about JD Martinez though? Because this guy would be a perfect fit. Yeah, I don't know about that. I want somebody that could actually play the field a little bit. I feel like well, Martinez. He can play a bit. He yeah, play the he's a bit. terrible field. He's a terrible defensive player. He had a bad yeah, year had last year. Smith and J.D. Davis out there. Oh, he was better than both of them, and they took shots with them 20 games a year. Excellent point. You know, if you had to put, if yeah, you had but, to put him in for 20 games, he could do it. But that, that was also the B.C. Mets, I mean, for the most part. Yeah. I know last year they ran <laughs> with them. You know, we don't like anything do with the B.C. Mets, Vinny. I think they're going to get. I think they're going to get Shohei Otani at some point. If not this year, he'll be the guy that they get next year. I think they get Kodai Senga as well, and I think they'll probably get a bat that could be a versatile power bat, not a dominant. Now the last point. Yeah. The la- I'm sorry to interrupt. I just want to get to the last point I have is that you know they have improved. I'll tell you why. Because 
they had the worst catching production in the, in the major leagues last year. Alvarez, if he gets up 400 times, if Alvarez hit 200, he's going to fall into 20 home runs. There's right. no way he won't hit 20 home runs. So right there, you doubled your production of home runs, and, and most of them were hit in September for the Metcalf. Well, I think they're Escobar. counting. I think they're counting on that. Right, Escobar is going to be better. Thanks for the call, Vinny. I appreciate you checking in. They're counting on Alvarez to be an impact power bat. That'll help there. Escobar should be better. Now, you need to account for other things that could go wrong. Lindor, Alonzo, they played almost every game. Maybe those guys don't play as much. Maybe those guys have a little bit of a down year. Maybe Nimmo doesn't play as much. Maybe he has a little bit of a down year. You always got to factor in, okay, well, some guy, you, you can't just say, well, last year the catching was so bad, third base was so bad, it's got to improve this year with Escobar, with Beatty, with Alvarez. It's got to improve this year. Yeah, maybe, but then the other parts that were so good last year, Nemo, Marte, Lindor, Alonzo, McNeil, maybe those come down a little bit. And then it kind of levels out. You also think about it, maybe Scherzer and Verlander pitch more than Scherzer and DeGrom did. And then that should help. If they sign Kodai Senga, they are as close to complete as you can be to start a year. Not a... Dominant lineup, not a sure thing to make the World Series or the Winter World Series, but they are on paper. The rotation's complete, and the and the bullpen, whatever they got, they got the most important pieces of the bullpen right now. A dominant lefty in Raley, who could be a seventh or eighth inning guy. David Robertson, who could be an eighth inning guy, and Edwin Diaz. Those are the hardest things to get. You throw in Drew Smith, you throw in a couple of the guys that they you know claimed on or signed the minor league deals or the trade that they made with the Marlins. They may have a couple of other arms in there. Lucchese, he could be the Trevor Williams type guy. The Mets, I'm not worried about their staff at all, if they, especially if they sign Kodai Senga, and I think that they will. It's the lineup. And right now going in, you can make a legitimate case that they have many different options. Now, look, I don't love Ruff or Volgebeck, but if they do a little bit better, that helps. If they don't, you just get rid of them. Escobar could be the DH if Beatty plays third. Alvarez could be a DH, maybe catch a little bit. They're probably one or two semi-minor moves away from completing their lineup going into the year. Things change in season, obviously. And you're always going to need upgrades. Guys are always going to perform. Guys will get hurt. Then you need to go upgrade at the trade deadline. Long-term, I think Otani is the guy. Short-term, I think Senga plus a couple of minor moves. Tori is calling from Raleigh, North Carolina. What's up, Tori? Hey, Sal. I always listen to you late at night. I always enjoy your uh, show. Thanks, Tori. Um, you were talking about players, uh, and you know, you brought up Luis Polonia and, and you know, your recollections of guys and how they aren't exactly as you remember. You remember Oscar Gamble? Uh, I mean, I know who he is. I never watched him play. It was a little bit before my time. Oh, it was a little bit before your time. Yeah, because he, yeah, he did play in the, for the Yankees in the early '80s, and uh, right, early '80s. I mean, I'm I'm 43, so I was born in '79. I know who he is. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I mean, what was his last year? Like '85, maybe. Yeah, I remember something like that. Yeah, yeah I just it just that he was a uh, an odd kind of player. He was a, played for 17 years and was a power hitter, and that's what I remember him as a power hitter. But I looked at his stats; he had more walks than strikeouts. And you think how things have changed in baseball. Nobody does that anymore. His last year was 85. How about that by me? Man, I'm right. impressing myself. Yeah, it's excellent. I, and the reason why I said it is because I remember 1985 Topps Yankees card with Oscar Gamble, even though he was on the White Sox in 85. He was right. on the 84. You know, he was with the Yankees, obviously, right. in 84 was his last year there. So, Did you ever play a game with kids where you hit, where you asked them to uh, you know, cover up the name and you could name the, the guy and and wow them. That's always fun to do. And, and what do you mean? What, what? Well, you know, we, you know the Topps card so well. That right. If, if they covered the name, you could look at the picture and you could tell them. Oh, yeah. I, I would think so, yeah. For <laughs> me, my expertise would be probably 85, definitely 86, through about 89, maybe 90. 
Right. But like 86, 87, 88, 89, that is my... We all, oh, all that, of us have a four or five year stretch where we knew every Right, <laughs> right. I it would say, I, I would say 85 through 89 or 86 through, nine, around that. that that's yeah, my window, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little different. I'm, a, I'm older than you. I was a 65 through 70 guy. There okay. you go. All right, so you got but it, though. Let me ask you a question, Sal. About, you know, one, one thing you've said, and you've said repeatedly, is that, you know, Cohen can have anybody he wants who wants to be in New York, and I would agree with that. But it perplexes me, you know, being a being a Cleveland fan, when you guys got Francisco Lindor in in 2021, and you had him in the before he even played his first game in New York, and even knew if he could perform on that stage, Cohen signed him to this massive deal, and I I didn't understand it at all because he had a bad, you know, he didn't have a very good year in 2021. Correct. And and Cohen could have signed him for substantially less. Or he or he could have signed somebody else. So or, me, or he could have yeah. signed somebody else. And, and I'm here to tell you, I mean, I've watched Lindor, every game Lindor has ever played, including with the Mets, because I'm just so curious how he's going to do. I think what you just saw this year was as good as it gets. Yeah, he was, but he was terrific this year. I don't think that that's he bad. Was, he, was, he was good, but he was not as good as he was in his peak Cleveland years. I'm here to tell you. Yeah, maybe not, and you don't know if he's going to return to that. And thank you for the call, Tori. I appreciate checking in. The reason why the Mets did it, two reasons. Number one was because the fan base at that point was still recovering from the BC Mets. They weren't sold yet. Even though they made that trade, if you remember, and maybe you don't because you're not living in New York. I don't know if you're listening to Sports Talk regularly back then. But the thought was, instead of it being, oh, they're excited that they got a star in Lindor, it was... Yeah, but they're going to lose him when he hits free agency. What's going to happen if he hits the open market? Are the Mets going to be able to get him? You can't trade Jimenez and Rosario and you know the prospects that the Mets gave up with those two guys for Lindor and not be able to re-sign him. That's number one. Number two, at that time, the Yankees were talking about potentially being interested amongst other teams potentially being interested in Francisco Lindor in the event that he hit the open market. So the Mets wanted to do what the Yankees neglected to do with Aaron Judge. The Mets wanted to prevent Lindor from hitting the open market. So it was twofold. They wanted to show the fan base that this is a different team. This is not the BC Mets. This is the AC Mets after Cohen Mets. And that was basically a move to hope to gain the trust or at least initiate the process of gaining the fan base's trust and thinking it was a good business move to get him off the market and not have to compete with all the other teams. Now, they made a mistake in that because he got paid way more than he would get on the open market. Better players have gotten lesser contracts than Francisco Lindor. He got lucky. But it's not like he's a bad player. It's not like he's an awful contract. It might be years to come, but you know what? It doesn't matter. Has it prevented the Mets from going to get other players? Not in the least. So it really doesn't matter then. But, yeah, I mean, they clearly overpaid for Francisco Lindor. But I just gave you the reasons why. Can you make your parlays pop this holiday season? Win some money from Vegas with a weekly parlay bonus from Superbook Sports. If you place a three-team football parlay, Superbook will give you a $10 bonus voucher. It's your holiday bonus, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Rack up the wins and earn some holiday cash by betting parlays with Superbook. Download the Superbook New Jersey app and place your parlays Today, visit SuperBook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 877-337-6666. More of your calls on the other side. Sal Licata on the fan. Sal Licata back on the fan. 877-337-6666 is the number to call. Jets a big matchup. Need to bounce back after a tough loss last week in Minnesota. They will head to Buffalo to take on the Bills, looking to sweep the season series with the Bills, Giants at home. First time they get a look at the 11-1 and Philadelphia Eagles. And look, for the Giants, they're going to have to run the football. Keep the 
keep possession in their favor. Keep Jalen Hurts and the Eagles off the field as long as they possibly can because I don't care if Daniel Jones is having his best day. They cannot match what the Eagles' offense can do, not even close to it. So the way to do it is to control the clock, ball control, run it, which the Giants can't do. And, you know, maybe the Eagles have a little issue if they have any weaknesses. Maybe it is stopping the run. Well, the Giants can run Barkley at him, run Daniel Jones at him, see if they can keep the game close to the vest the way that they play it normally, stay in the game. Hopefully the Eagles make a mistake and the Giants can beat them. But, man, I mean, the Eagles are explosive. They are good. The Giants haven't been good now the last, what, four or five weeks, whatever it's been. So they have their, um, you know, um, they they have a, a challenge in front of them here with Philadelphia being as good as they are. This will be maybe the toughest uh, task that the Giants have had all year long. I know Dallas was no picnic either, and the Giants have had some tough opponents, but Philadelphia at 11-1, and one, that is going to be a tough, tough task at MetLife come Sunday. Uh, we'll do the perfect parlay coming up at 340. We'll have some fun. Uh, and do that, make our football picks on this Football Friday, but it's been all baseball so far. 877-337-6666. Val is calling from the Bronx. What's up, Val? Good morning, Sam, my man. How you doing, sir? Good, Val. How are you this morning? Man, I am so relieved it's not even funny, bro. I wanted to call you yesterday, but I, I it was my, my off day, and I spent so much of the day just watching Hot Stove, watching you. I watched everybody like two, three times over. I was just, I just wanted to hear them say Judge is a Yankee game like every time over and yeah. over and over again. You got your guy I'm back. So, I'm so relieved, man. And now it means everything else can happen. The one thing that, 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 <clears throat> that I really liked about it is that, like I told you, so long as we had that last voice, and because I really think that they both realize that they both need each other. Well, I that's mean, the, Judge, Judge perfect I, conditions I, for a deal. I think it comes down to Val Judge just wanted to be here. I think so. I really, really think so. And I and he's a smart man for that. His legacy, if he does, and and to be honest with you, that this, and that'll get into my second point. But before I even go there, you know, he I think he saw what could happen if he stays in the uniform all the way through, and the Yankees understood what it means if he stays in the uniform all the way through. But well, I don't think the Yankees to, care about that. I mean, the Yankees wanted the player back. Judge himself cares about his legacy. Look, he the Yan- does, but I, I think they do too to a little bit of an extent because they like to see the Yankees' name in the history books. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's, it's only good for business. Yeah, you know? maybe. I mean, they wanted him back. He wanted them, though, more than they wanted him. He could have had more money potentially. He got them, though, to come up to where he was comfortable coming up to the nine-year, $360 million yep, offer, yep. even though he potentially could add $40 more million from the Padres. Bottom line is Judge wanted to be a Yankee all along. He dragged yep. out the process. He made them sweat a little bit. You know, He put them through the ringer, but ultimately he wanted to be back, and now he is. And to get to my second point real quick, you know, everybody's talking about, like, you know, he can't do this again. And I'm not saying that he's going to have a phenom, like, you know, record-breaking year on all fronts like he did this year. But I think he's really in his sweet spot right now. And I think to, to, to not expect, you know, numbers that are close. I'm not saying he's going to hit 62, you know, from now until the contract's over. Right. But I actually think he has a chance to push for that. Like, he did the, the what, what everybody considers, quote-unquote, the real record. And I think he, he has the confidence in himself now to know that he can actually go after his hero and maybe even pass Bond. I don't think that that's out of the cards. And I think. Well, I mean, now you're getting crazy. You know, I mean, that's ridiculous. Nah, you think he's going to hit 75 so. home runs? I mean, what are we talking about? 70, you know, 74. <laughs> well, no, I know. I think, I'm, I'm, I I'm rounding crazy. up. I mean, still, you think Judge is going to hit. Hey, well, I don't think he's going to hit 62 again, but he's going to hit 74 and break Bonds' record. I, th- I mean, I think, I think he has at least one season like that in him left. Val. I think he does have at least one season like Val. that in him. And the next point I wanted to make, though. Hey, Val, come back to me. Go ahead. Make Val? your last point. Make your last point before I got to get to Marco here. Okay. When I get off, don't laugh at me, please. I, that's just a hope. But then you know what happened to my hope last week? The Jets lost. But anyway. Um, the next thing, though, what I do like and I want to see happen soon is the way that they're going after everybody else that we need. Can we do something about Benintendi and just get that wrapped up? I don't understand if it seems like because he's just hanging out there and it seems like nobody really wants him as much as we need him. So well, I think, we now, get it done with? I think now that Nimmo, thank you for the call, Val, as always, good to hear from you. Congrats on your guy coming back. I know you, much like the Yankees, were sweating that one out. I think now that Nimmo is signed, Benintendi will follow soon. And the Yankees got to get go get Carlos Rodon. 
and Benintendi. And then that's a wrap for at least the big names in free agency. And Val, I'm not going to laugh at you, but come on, 70 home runs. I mean, it's one thing to expect 62 again, which I wouldn't be like, if you're, if you're asking me, would I be stunned if Judge will hit 58 or 60 in the next three years or so? I mean, I'm sure I could see that happening. 62 hasn't happened since 1961. And you know how hard it was to get that? You think he's going to get that again? Not only do you think he's going to get it again, you think he's going to break Bond's record. It's almost impossible if you're clean. Matter of fact, it is impossible if you're clean. Even with the smaller ballparks, even with a tighter ball, whatever it is, juice ball, like nobody's hitting 70 home runs. Remember, Marco, there was a point this year where people did think, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, he's going to hit 70. Mm -hmm. And then look what happened. Reality struck. I mean, come on, dude. Uh, And I'll say this, and I'm really, I'm I'm not being facetious. In these years, as much as, as difficult as baseball is, he'd probably be lucky to hit 50 ever again. Uh, Let's be fair. Yeah. That would be bad, though, don't you think? No. No, because if you, look, if you hold Judge? him, if you hold him to 62 as the standard, then you're going to be disappointed, period. Like Alonzo with 53 a couple Nonsense. years ago, whatever If is. you hold him to the, he needs to be a power hitter in the middle of the lineup that does all the things that he's supposed to do. He's got to hit between 35 and 40 homers a year, driving 100 runs, hit roughly around 280 to 300. Right. He's got to do that consistently for four to five years, and you justify the contract. It's fair, as simple as that. Fair enough. Let me ask you, though. Isn't it crazy to think, and I know that it was a historic season, isn't it crazy to think that you would be satisfied with, say, 20 fewer home runs from Aaron Judge? Right? That would mean he hit 42 home runs. Right. Like, you'd take that. It sounds bad. But again, if you're holding him, you can't hold him to a standard that's an impossibility. So you've got to readjust your mind. If you see at the end of the year, he goes 295. 38 and 113, you better be dancing yeah. in the streets. So, but what does that mean then for the rest of the team? Because if you have that drop off in performance from a, a team that needed him to do everything, they needed every one of those 62 home runs. Which is why the rest of the team needs to be constructed better. Because let's face it, without Judge last year, they don't make the playoffs. And this roster really isn't that much better. So they'd still have a hard time sniffing into the wild card right. if Judge doesn't put together an historic season. So if you're waiting for, waiting for that, you got a problem. Which is why you got to do things like, you know, bite the bullet and get rid of Josh Donaldson and get a competent player in here. So these are things that the Yankees still have to do. If you think that it was just, oh, we got Judge, we're good, you're wrong. Right. There's more that has to be done. You want Rodon? No. Wow. What about you, Emmanuel? You want Rodon? I think Rodon is a must. You have to do it. Interesting. Who do you want then, Marco? I need, for me, bats. I want a Yoshida. I realize that's gone. Yeah. So now they got to go Ben and Tendi. I think that they need to figure out a way in the trade market to get another impact bat. I'm praying that Donaldson is gone and they figure that out. I don't believe in that, but I think they need to get more impact bats. We've seen how many years over and over and over and over. When they get to the playoffs, they don't. Hit. Right. I don't care who's in the rotation at this point. They've got Cole at the top. They've got Severino. More than enough. You don't need three, four, five aces. I don't see that winning in baseball anymore. When you say impact bat, you want a high average contact guy or you want a power guy? What do you want? I don't I, I think they've got enough power in the lineup with Rizzo, Stanton, and Judge. Right. I think they need a guy that is a competent baseball player. Right. Not, they need guys that can right. hit. That, that's guys they don't get. Preferably left-handed, right. if that's possible. But again, now without the so, shift. So, like, I got a guy for you, like uh, left-hander, competent baseball player, like Joey Gallo. <laughs> <laughs> you see, this is the problem. Uh, like Joey Gallo. I, again, that that's the thing that they need. They need guys that can – I realize, you know, our average is really not – Give me a guy that hits 270, 280, knows what to do with the bat in his hand and can figure things out. I think that's something that that is missing in this lineup. Guys that can put the bat on the ball and not just a, a punch and Judy little guy. I, I get it. You need to be able to impact the baseball or whatever the hell Aaron right. Boone talks about. You need guys that can hit gap to gap, but stop looking for the homer or nothing. You need guys that are competent baseball players. Would Ben Benintendi be enough then? He, I don't think he's enough. He's the star. So I want to Yoshida because I thought that was a different right. vibe that they would get. A 300 hitter strikes out 40 times a year, walks 80 times, can hit the ball out of the ballpark. Perfect fit he for was, them. I, yeah. I swear, it felt like it was perfect. The Yankees didn't see that. Okay, mm. 
Go Benintendi, start there. Because I don't know what, what DJ LeMahieu is. What did he getting, by the way, with Boston? You, what was his? Five for 90, and then the posting bid of 15.4. So five for 104. So, so what are they waiting? Like, did they just not like the player? I don't know. I mean, again, we're also going by, you know, I see highlights. I didn't see yeah. him play in Japan. I don't well, know. Well, I mean, you look at the numbers. You look the at the numbers, and you realize it doesn't necessarily yeah. always translate. So you yeah. got I get that they're scouting. I'm going to take their word for it that they didn't want to go down that road. Or maybe they got beat to it because they were worried about Judge, and that was priority right. number one. That's right. part of it, too. But there is, there's got to be something else on the market. There's got to be a bat that right now, and not just Devers, that could be coming up on free agency or a team that's looking to move on from something. I don't think it's Reynolds because yeah. I think that's a bit much. But maybe there's something there. And if you don't do it in the offseason, that's fine. But it's got to get done during the year or for next year. You want to tell me this is a two-year process and Devers is in your plans and he becomes the next bat for next year? I'm listening. I just don't know where... Like, all right, let's assume Glaber Torres gets traded. I mean, it's got to be specifically third base or second base. Is that what I don't think at? Torres gets traded? I'm, oh, okay. I'm crazy. So, I, I'm under that. Pl- I, I don't think that they believe that LeMahieu was healthy enough to just dump Glaber Torres. You can get something back for him, fine. You can't just dump him. All right, but then where's the upgrade coming from? I, that's the problem. There is no spot. Like, there, Bader's I, in center, Judge's in right. You want Benatendi back and left. You get Peraza at shortstop. Mm-hmm. If you're not trading Glaber, you have Glaber and LeMayu. Right. Even if you dump Donaldson, you still got a log jam. You're not factoring Cabrera or Volpe. Rizzo's there. Catching is, like, where are you getting back? I would say, I mean, one of the Stanton. guys. Right. I would say, for me, it's a minor move. I'd like Christian Vasquez to be the backup to Trevino. Oh, I, like I would it. love that yeah. that combination behind the plate. I'd take I've had enough of, H- of Higashioka. I've had yeah. enough there. But these are little small things. That impact bat, like I said, I thought was Yoshida. It's not going to be there. It could be Benintendi, and then they got to figure out what else it is. So if Glaber could be moved for another bat, so be it. But if Glaber's going to be moved for a starter, I feel like what is the difference between what Domingo Herman gives you versus a higher-end rotation guy during the season? You're talking about a guy that gives me six innings and gives me two runs. That's great. What does Herman do? What does Clark Schmidt do? Like I feel like baseball's moved away. I was late on it, too. But every starter now, even if they're good, Five and two-thirds. Yeah, I know. Six innings. Stack up the bullpen. Get monster arms one after another in the pen. Give me good bats, and I could go to work. Yeah, fair enough. I feel like Rodon, because I, I feel like their lineup's almost set. Rodon maybe take him to another level, but... I mean, I think it's a fascinating thought. And they do need a better balance in that lineup. There's no question about it. Because the same thing every year. Postseason, they get burned with their offense that generally rakes in the regular season. We'll get back to your calls on the other side. 877-337-6666. Remember, perfect parlay coming up 340. You get anything? You got anything uh, cooking there? Uh, I'll get on that. I got one more thing to do, and then I'll get on that. Have you looked, Emmanuel, at the perfect parlay so far? I'm all set to go. Okay, look at him. All right, he's all set to go. I'm looking at it myself. I don't really love a lot. Anyway, we'll do that at 340. Right now, let's get you updated. Here's Marco Belletti.